So, yeah, we have reached peak financial bullshit. You just know something next week is going to come along and knock that over, right? Yeah, I just I just want to mark this particular moment. This is like the financialization of the meme economy, and that is historically fucked up. Yeah. I mean, I can't blame her, but it's like, you know, a popular enough meme. Might as well sell it to the bag holders while the money is still good. We are, of course, talking about the um, recent NFT sale of the Disaster Girl meme um, for about $500,000, which was apparently enough to clear like her student debts and such. I mean, good on her. I'm not going <laughs> to knock someone else's hustle. Yeah. But she still burned that house down. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, okay, not really. And, this, <laughs> and this is like this is even dumber than in some way. Not on not in terms of her selling it, because hey, you know what? You know, if you manage to pull this kind of hustle, whether it's making an NFT of a meme you happened to be in when you were a kid to pay off your student debt, or you are doming a Republican a legislator into reading socialist theory like again not gonna judge but from the buying end like this is even dumber than getting an nft of the mona lisa because at least there's only one actual mona lisa that you're theoretically have an entitlement to get prints of i guess um nobody's really clear fucking on. stupid yeah nobody's really clear what an nft actually means Legally, my inclination is to say it. It doesn't mean anything. You're just trading a meaningless token. Um, it has no force of law. It's Schrodinger's private property. Mm-hmm. Is it yours? Is it not yours? It really depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Will Maybe it still both. be available? <laughs> The other half is, will it still be available in six months? Um, for the most popular ones, yes, those items are seated on the interplanetary file system. But most of them are not. They were seated once, and then the company will give up in a couple of months. Um, and then at that point, the asset ceases to exist, because if there are zero online copies then it does not exist on the interplanetary file system like that's how it works you kind of need that redundancy but (sighs) these people never think this shit for and this is like we're giving you 500,000 real dollars for a fucking crypto token of a meme that there's probably like literally billions of copies of out there. I mean, good on you, Disaster Girl, for getting your debt wiped out and 
like getting a nice chunk of change on the side for it and finding somebody like dumb enough to actually enter that legally binding agreement in the first place. Yeah. But to the buyer, don't, you know, get any bright ideas like drinking paint. Yeah. Please. (laughs) You will not be able to sell it for anything close to what you think it is worth. Simi Rocco was right. You have to, you have to destroy it. You have to destroy it before it infects <laughs> Kinsoko. Yeah. One of these. And welcome. <laughs> One of and these days we will discuss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we read the yeah. shit so you don't have to. Oh my god. Um, I'm Miss Silver. I'm Doc Spider. The rest of us can join today. Um, you know, good luck to whatever it is they're doing. Um, it's going to be a classic show with just us. Um, and if you like any of what it is we do, and you want to hear any bonus content, as well as definitely starting this week, uh, early access to stuff like our regular weekly episodes throw a fiver in at patreon.com slash chop shop economics yep ah so let's let's get into it because god this is so fucked um Yeah, so as we kind of got into a little bit in the second Danger Zone special, and we're definitely confirming now, hey, guess what? Commodity prices are going up across the board, and that is pushing inflation of everything. Which Jerome Powell described, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, described as follows. During this time of reopening, we are likely to see some upward pressure on prices, and I'll discuss why. But those pressures are likely to be temporary as they are associated with the reopening process. And an episode of one-time price increases as the economy reopens is not the same thing as, and is not likely to lead to, persistently higher year-over-year inflation into the future, inflation at levels that are not consistent with our goal of 2% inflation. Like, that uh, like Shakespeare said it better when he said a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet, but there's nothing sweet about this. And yeah. Jerome Powell sure as hell ain't Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not really. So it's yeah, it's massively fucked. Um, now. I don't know if this would translate to inflation in, like, the um, casino economy, but in the real one, it is having effects. Um, It's like, I don't know how I'm starting to notice, like, oh, wow, things are kind of fucked when I go to the store. (laughs) It's like, Uh you just look around and you're like, this didn't used to cost nearly this much last year. 
and it's like a lot of it is driven by the anticipation of well commodities futures Whew, that's fucked and it's really not helped by that we are looking at an economic situation where the price of everything is being knocked by again we're just gonna we're gonna have to hashtag this and trademark it the supply chain crisis um you should hear some kind of neat spooky echo or something with that crisis crisis, crisis. i don't know um anyway (laughs) and the thing with this is it's getting more expensive to move goods because there's things like unpredictability in the supply chains that didn't used to be there because of COVID um, people calling out sick, people having to call out sick for supporting like friends and family members, whatever. Um, Meaning there's less truck drivers, less dock workers, less warehouse workers, less delivery drivers, less everything. So that means things are getting delayed, and that means you now have to pay for storage, and that means more storage than you're usually supposed to be paying for, so that adds more cost on, and you know, it's accumulating. Yeah. Add to this that it's unlike many, um, uh, so many of, like, these a lot of these jobs, like, yeah, just anyone can do them, or you can do them with, like, you know, a forklift certification card. But right now, it's awfully hard to get those sorts of credentials because, well, you try gathering a classroom for a practical work. It's just, it's not quite doable. So the hiring pipeline is, as someone put it, constrained and and then there's like some ends of it where you don't need the classifications but people have actually gotten moment like a moment to financially breathe because of things like covid relief money and actually listened to the advice of entirely too many right-wing assholes and said okay i will retrain and do a different job or i'll look for a better paying job that doesn't require dealing with fucking karens and parkers being shitty at me all day and begging for tips and you know that is having effects on what's there. It's actually really kind of funny to watch these guys flip out over the job shortage crisis. Cause it's like, yeah, people are doing what you've been telling them to do forever. Oh, wait, <laughs> did we just find out capitalism depends on ruthlessly treating people like shit? Oops. Oh my God. I'm remembering that you, uh, you were that thing they were passing around on Twitter yesterday where it's like, this one Pittsburgh store discovers that the way to actually get people to work for you is to pay $15 an hour instead of $7.25 for working at an ice cream cream parlor. Like, well, yeah, duh. Of course, now you're getting, like, actual attention for your job applications because who wants to work for customers for seven twenty-five. I mean, and you know, this <laughs> is this is part of why we're seeing 
this inflationary stuff, but a lot of it is because of just the uncertainty that's in the supply chains, and that's knocking on across everywhere because everybody uses these same supply chains. This also means because people are getting overworked that you're seeing more mistakes and more shit just breaking down. Um, the ever given being a great example. Um, so yeah, this is coming up through the supply chain and this is not because by the way, people are getting paid higher wages across the board. Like there isn't really any evidence to suggest that like there's no wage push inflation going on here. This is the grand frictionless neoliberal experiment is encountering friction and it has no fucking clue what to do about it. I mean, it's like some employers have decided to do the smart thing and pay something resembling a market clearing wage, but most are not doing that. And because of that, yeah, that's the situation we're in. Like, this is, none of this is going to resolve itself. Like, even if, you know, all the other indicators were looking good, even if we weren't already headed towards a crisis in like 2018, 2019, well, yeah, guess what? We would still be fucked. With this supply chain disruption, that alone would be enough to bring an economy to its knees. Yeah, forget all the other shit. That would be enough. In fact, that that's why we're starting to get speculation that the next decade is going to end up looking a lot like the 70s and 80s as far as what's going to happen for commodity exporters and importers. For a quick refresher, for those who aren't familiar, that means your glorious, tricked out, Porsche of an economy with bald as fuck tires because that got in the way of buying your nitrous booster is hitting some black ice. There's going to be inflation and no growth to keep up with it. Because that's what happened then with the oil shocks and everything else. So, you know. <sighs> That when, like, when the Jimmy Carter era is looking like the best case scenario, economically speaking, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, after all, they did kind of have to, like, financialize their way out. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I suspect they've already used up this particular trick. That's the kind of thing that only yeah. really works once. <laughs> and I, I don't know, my, my suspicion is that it's not going to work again. Or uh, it's not going to work nearly as well as they think it will. But, you know. Oof. Yeah. So, yeah, that Brings us to another oof. <laughs> the Indian COVID crisis is off the charts at this point. Yeah. We haven't gone to, like, total abandonment 
at this point, but oh boy, it's it's only a matter of time. And as it is, the system is. I, I I keep wanting to say like barely functional or something, but no, the, let's cut to the chase. The Indian healthcare system no longer exists. Not as a coherent entity. It's it's gone. Like if you need something that is not COVID treatment, you're fucked. <laughs> If you need COVID treatment, you're also fucked. I mean, it may not be like mass abandonment of hospitals and shit. Like, you know, when, uh, like when the Ebola outbreak burned itself out um, after hospital abandonments. But like at this point, it's like, it doesn't matter if the doctors are still there. um, Partly because it's not that kind of disease. If there's nothing that can be done, if a hospital is just another place to get an oxygen cylinder, then what's the point? Can you really say that you have a healthcare system anymore? I mean, I don't know. But I guess my answer would be no. (laughs) And yeah... The, this was it's, one of the nightmare scenarios we were looking at for the U.S. that got a little closer than I think anyone's comfortable admitting. And yeah. the thing that's especially dangerous with this outbreak is the longer it rages out of control, the more time there's going to be for even nastier strains to mutate. I mean... There is a little good news in that Moderna has come up with something that does work on 100% on the variants. Um, the South African and Indian variants that are going around. But the problem is, is that doesn't mean the phase 3 clinical trials are finished. That doesn't mean that they can just, you know, produce it right now. Like, the whole situation is just completely fucked. And just... eh. Yeah. This is, by the way, why there's been a serious campaign to get Joe Biden to waive intellectual property rules regarding vaccine patents so that it becomes a lot easier, not to mention cheaper, for other countries to produce vaccines at scale. And announcing this sent pharmaceutical stocks running for the window. Yeah. I mean, I (laughs) suspect. Oh my god. They... I mean, they nearly hit limit down. (laughs) It was like, wow. This shit is like Robin Hood... And GameStop all over again. It's... Oh my god. Fuck them. Yeah. You know, it's not like we didn't need any further proof that capitalism depends on people fucking suffering and dying. Here you go. Yeah. 
I mean, that's that's the long and short of it. And because, you know, Joe Biden has dragged his feet, that's like, you know, that's several weeks that we will not get back in controlling this fucking crisis. Like, I'll give it to him that he told Pharma to shove it up their ass because Obama never did anything like this while he was president. Full stop. Um, Let's be real. Um, Yeah. And Bill Clinton would never have even considered something like this. So to see Biden go, yeah, um, Pfizer, Moderna, and all the rest of y'all, you can, like, shove your profit motive up your ass. I'm going to do the decent thing that's massively overdue and keep people from dying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... Wine was severely offended by his actions. It... God. I hate everything about this. But... Saving millions of lives, bad for profit margins for pharmaceutical companies. Yep. (sighs) Well, no one can say they didn't have it coming. Yep. Speaking of horrible fucked up shit. To start off our labor block, we've got new speculation and noises on... The labor shortage crisis in the United States, where there is a proposal in Montana to deal with it by canceling unemployment benefits. Yeah. <sighs> Governor Greg Gianfort said, Gianfort, I, I don't fucking care. Fuck him. Gianfort. He's fucking people over. Um, is planning to stop um, some federally funded unemployment benefits to basically get people to go back to work, which would really kind of ruin a lot of people. Like, starting on June 27th, his proposal would cut off an extra $300 a week in unemployment benefits. And contractors, gig workers, and other folks who are on the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program, which covers a lot of folks that regular unemployment benefits don't cover, would just completely lose access and get nothing. Yeah. And it's... I mean, honestly, don't believe the lies that Montana's political class are pushing... Their unemployment rate is 3.8%, um, which, I mean, yes, we all know that U3 is bullshit. We even know that U6 is not quite a completely accurate measure of unemployment, but considering that the peak was 11.9%, in April of 2020, Jim Forte doesn't have a leg to stand on here. 
Like, this is... This is just Satanism. Like, fuck it. This is some serious... Some of you may die, but that is a sacrifice. I am willing to make kind of energy here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're supposed to, you know, feel grateful that he's cut the unworthy parasite, a.k.a., you know, anyone who... <sighs> Ooh. Everything about this is just deeply diseased. Um, so it's basically like they want to cut off the extra weeks. They want to reinstate the requirement that you have to be actively searching for a job. Um, by the way, that means do not interview at McDonald's um, because they will try to entrap you. Um, mm-hmm. that's a thing that's happened they unofficially they officially employ you so that then when you try to get your benefits they go yeah no they turned down a job so fuck you mm-hmm. like every part of this is just this is go out and die you filthy pores it's your job yeah it's like you know, how dare you live in a small town that didn't have much of an economic base to begin with? How, you know, how dare you not die for my free dollar latte? <laughs> like, <sighs> this is, yeah. It's not for nothing that the person I first heard the phrase pandemic killing fields came from. They're from Montana. <laughs> That's fucking bleak. Yeah. This shit's just... You know, this is why, by the way, and this is some absolutely based shit that we saw in Labor 411, mm-hmm. you've got things like employees quitting their Dollar General by physically posting signs showing why no one wants to work, and this shit's just really fucking awesome um (laughs) like this is like going above and beyond normalizing no week notice to just absolutely beautiful fuck yous yeah among other things google general strike um Closed indefinitely because Dollar General doesn't pay a living wage to treat their employees with respect. Um, capitalism will destroy this country if you don't pay people enough to live their lives. Why should they slave away for you? Like, that's that's worth asking. <laughs> like, yeah, why why should you why should you die for Dollar General? I don't give a fuck about you. Oh, there's some of the people that are, like, loudly shouting about we should slash all this bullshit Mm -hmm. and get rid of unemployment and say, fuck you, we're going to absolutely ride you into the toilet, because fuck you. Profit margins. Yeah. I mean, it's like... These are the kind of people who think it's okay to, like, staff an entire fucking store of, like, two people. 
and then you got work. Like, you either get, like, oh, you get eight hours this week, or, oh, you get 60. And it's, you know, it's never, you know, anything consistent or in between. It's, like, either, you know, we're going to schedule you so that you're worked to death, or we're going to schedule you so that you don't get anything. (laughs) And these are the only two extremes that Dollar General seems to understand, like a lot of other bottom feeder retail companies. Like, (sighs) So yeah, keep this shit up. (laughs) Shine on, you fucking crazy diamonds. Please, do this shit. You know, don't just normalize zero week notice for quitting. Leave a lovely note on the door. In uh, somewhat weird news, banking and finance. Standard & Poor's has done... They've done it. Fuck. This... This... Yeah. (sighs) They're really gonna just... Forget drinking the Kool-Aid. They're grabbing the faucet. Yeah. And they're opening it all the way. They're taking the little Kool-Aid packets and they're just snorting them. Like, you know, skip the water, skip the mixing, just snort the fucking Kool-Aid. And what this has resulted in is free new indexes by Standard & Poor's. Um, They now have, like, three Dow Jones indices that they're grading it, um, by, you know, some magic methodology um, from one of their partner firms. Um, the free tickers are for uh, Bitcoin, Ether, um, uh, Ethereum, Blurf, um, and a mega cap combo of the two. So it's not, they're not mixing like every crypto in there. They're just doing Bitcoin and either. Um, and, like, this is a little less alarming than it sounds at first, because they're not, like, actually making a financial product of this. They're just, they're just tracking it. But this is, how to put it, this is normalizing Bitcoin. <laughs> this is, you know, complicity with big bots. <laughs> <sighs> this is and this is coming from you can find on Nasdaq and Standard and Poor's and the fucking Wall Street Journal and every single other media outlet connected with these like glorified casinos lengthy well argued well supported well sourced yes I am saying Wall Street got something fucking right arguments and essays and research going stay the hell away from crypto it is bullshit 
not even six months ago. This isn't like, I'm not talking ancient history of when Bitcoin was first farted out and some like trader went, oh, that's adorable. It'll never come to something. This is like stuff when Bitcoin was booming and Elon Musk was talking it up. There were still hedge fund analysts being like, this is really goddamn dumb. Don't touch this like fucking ANCAP fat fantasy. Yeah. And now here we are. Um, And honestly, by the end of the week, I fully expect there to be an ETF that's trading a derivative of this index. I don't know what it'll look like because um, I I want to sleep at night. I don't want to think about this. I suspect you don't either. <laughs> but they're probably going to do it. Fucking sickos. <laughs> it's just, at this point, I think this is like the singularity of neoliberal capitalism yeah this is the ultimate realization of when capital slipped the surly bonds of reality to truly transcend to the plane of the spherical cow where capital is freely spawned by job creators and innovators with the wave of their hand and like a crunch of some code and it has no concerns for the filthy and profane needs of the lesser pores who made the computer that spun up the code in the first place. Um, <laughs> and it's, this is just like, this is digital technology, which, you know, I'm not gonna deny was essential to making the neoliberal like revolution happen. And finance, which was one of the other big pillars of making neoliberalism happen, coming together to just make this unholy commodification of fucking free market fairy dust. Yeah. Like, whatever you might have believed about the old Bitcoin dream of, like, decentralized finance and you know, freedom from government intrusion and all that, that's gone now. You're just a bag holder. You're a bag holder for, like, three fucking companies in a Xinjiang data center. That's that's what you are now. And... I mean, that's that's what these institutionals are like throwing everything on is this this fucking toy (sighs) project that should never have been used for trade. I hate everything. And it, the worst part is this, because you could argue this is a sort of commodification of pure energy in a weird way, mm-hmm. except you can't even take the energy out of the Bitcoin, so it's not even like we're replacing the gold standard with an energy standard or something, um, is because this doesn't care where it gets the energy from, congratulations, it's prolonging the life of a lot of fossil fuel 
outlets and like energy producers that really were ready to fucking die and should have been just left to lurch off into the fucking sunset already. Yeah, but Doc, isn't that all just a waste of energy and shouldn't just be allocated for the benefit of um, the financial industry? <sighs> I'm starting to understand why people drink now. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah. This bullshit is actively fucking over the biosphere and accelerating the inability for us as a species to live on this rock so that some prick on Wall Street can add more zeros to his bank account. Mm-hmm. And it literally serves no even abstract purpose. Like, argue you, you can say, like, fiat currency at least kind of sort of does something and is tethered by something. But this is just the purest fucking bullshit. And the moment this bubble goes, or whatever other bubble goes, because there's, like, at least four or five running around at this point, they're going to take the others down with them. Yeah. If you are holding crypto positions at this point... Don't do that. Um, the numbers look really good. It's still growing. You should exit now. Get out while while there are still other bag holders. <laughs> you don't want to find out what happens when you are the last bag holder. And that's all I'm going to say on that's not actual financial advice. We've been saying this all the time. Do not invest. Disclaim investment. Stay away from financial products. We're just repeating over and over. Stay away from financial products. We don't like the stock. We don't like the coin. But especially, especially, please, stay the ever-loving fuck away from the coin. Yeah. Like, you might be able to walk away with something with the other bets in the Wall Street casino, but if you're going to, like, start playing around with the coin, then... We fucking warned ya. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're gonna laugh. We'll laugh at you. Now, if you're getting it on the coin because you actually are, like, someone who's listening to this podcast and has spare money to burn, and you're the kind of nihilist who wants to accelerate the demise of the stock market, <laughs> then... You know what? You're an absolute madman, and we love you, and please also throw some of that money in our Patreon. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we only have the one tier, but you can always send us more. <laughs> Especially if you are just saying, fuck it, I want to put 100000 on Bitcoin because I want to watch the world burn. Like, that's an investment position we could theoretically get behind. Yeah.
respond to energy and climate. Oh god, do we really have to read Bloomberg? Mm, well, I mean, we do normally, but, you know. This yeah. one is... This is not, like, a breaking news story. This is not something that should be shocking to anyone. It's just we saw this thing on Bloomberg Green where they were talking about land use and renewables and, like, it just went really, really stupid really quick. Like, Mm -hmm. denial of reality or just a lack of basic understanding Like, I thought that Bloomberg people were required to, like, look out the window at least once a month, you know? hmm <sighs> I mean, I guess not. Um, but, like, their whole thing is basically, um, we need to use, like, a third of the land base to um, have power at all. Um, and if we want to minimize that, then we should build nuclear, which I'm fine with, mostly. And we should build a whole bunch of carbon-capturing natural gas plants, which... Fuck you. Like, this... The whole thing felt like, oh my god, they really are pushing for... (laughs) Like, does this... Do they own, like, natural gas futures or something? (laughs) Well, there was that bit where some Bloomberg writers were caught doing insider trading, so maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put it out there. It's it's happened, so I'll put it out there. Mm -hmm. I'll totally put that out there. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, it's just... They clearly don't understand this thing called you can put solar panels on roofs and you can put wind turbines on a lot of things and still use the other thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like I'm not entirely sure that that would meet every single power need. Um, of an advanced post-industrial society, but (sighs) let's be real. Um, They're massively overstating their case for, like, we should burn natural gas, but cleanly, somehow. Um, We need to, like, pipe in clefaris from Russia or something. I I don't even know what their fucking argument is. It's, like, it's really bizarre. It's, like, yeah, I get, yeah, we need nuclear baseload. That's really important. We need to start getting that shit online because, you know, it it takes a while to do that. But, oh my god, it's like, you're advocating for building, like, 300 fucking nuclear gas plants so we can get out of having to use more land for solar and wind? What? What the fuck? I don't, I don't even know what it's, to do with that information. 
It just... Ugh. Like, this is more ammo for our thesis that these idiots really just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the outlet that dominates financial reporting, not just in the United States, but in much of the world, sets the tone for economics discussions and is just making basic mistakes that you could correct with Google in about 20 seconds. Yeah. Remember, this, if you're paying for a Bloomberg terminal, this is the sort of analysis you're paying for. Like... Part of me can't help but admire the hustle, but... God damn. At some point, we just gotta admit it's grift. (laughs) Yeah. And slightly... (laughs) It's slightly better news. Um, (sighs) Apparently, California is planning on hosting the world's largest non-hydro energy storage system. A... um, It's this. It's actually, it's actually pretty cool too, because it's using, like, it's a technique that was developed in Switzerland first, where you're basically using gravity to store electricity, mm-hmm. and it, without using batteries, and it's actually really cool. Yeah, like I think the Swiss version involved like cranes that were powered by energy generated by renewables, and what the cranes would do is they the power would have the cranes lift up these like huge concrete blocks and then when they wanted to extract the energy they would have the cranes lower the blocks and in the cranes are these little like generators yeah and they spin and there you go you have power <laughs> so this is a um an air compression based system but the pilot plants have been like, you know, one megawatt, two megawatt. This would be a 1,000 megawatt system in one place. So a, a, one, a whole gigawatt worth of compressed air um, energy storage, which is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> and... Yeah, basically the runtime is about 8 to 12 hours at full generation capacity. Um, many, uh, many of the existing storage technologies don't store quite enough to get through the night on a solar mix. But this is, this is pretty good. It's... Yeah. <laughs> We got to cover this shit because, you know, as you can tell by this point, everything else is pretty fucked. Yeah. I mean, the barriers towards, you know, sustaining post-industrial society are starting to fall away um, with, you know, these projects maturing. Like, 
these aren't just, you know, theoretical questions anymore. They're now engineering problems. And engineering problems can be solved. And, you know, that's good. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we need right now. We need, like, actual solutions to this. Not, you know, build out a few hundred <laughs> gas plants. Or whatever the fuck Bloomberg wants to do. Well, that Bloomberg uh, person. Also, this, um, and the nice thing about this Just, is, yeah. yeah, it's, um, this one is pretty fire resistant, I would think. Um, yeah. It's better than a giant battery plant. It's not a bunch of gas tanks. Mm-hmm. And it's clean. Yeah. Like, this works at scale, then hey, this gets around things like the intermittency problem. Yeah. We, we wouldn't need to worry about building out as much base load as we might have to. This is this is pretty big. Yeah. And so is this news from Shanghai. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah, freight rates have reached record highs for outbound maritime transport from Shanghai. Which, you know, for anyone born in the last 50 years, is the biggest fuck-off, like, point of export for manufacturing on the planet right now. Uh-huh. And it's not just Shanghai, quite frankly. Like, the Baltic Dry Index is jacked way the fuck up. Um, like... Clearly, there is demand being met, but at the same time, you're paying out the ass for it. And Well, and that's what's fun about the discrepancy between what we're seeing in the Shanghai freight rates and the Baltic Dry Index is the Baltic Dry Index is definitely at a high for right now. But it's not even approaching like the peaks that were reached in 2019 before COVID happened or the massive. And for those who don't follow the Baltic Dry Index, what this tracks is how much in the way of maritime freight has been contracted around the world to move goods and services, period. The higher it is, the more stuff is being shipped. The more stuff is being shipped, more shit's being bought and sold. And yeah, the levels are not even at where they were before the COVID shutdowns and are certainly nowhere near the post 2008 recovery and aren't even within the same universe as the peaks that were seen pre 2008 when wall street was really boiling hot. So uh, I am looking at the dry index right now and it's like we're past that 2019 peak actually. We've been there since April. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it keeps going up. But yeah, and we're not... Yeah. Alright, my bad. But yeah. I'm confusing Pete said it's missing. Yeah, it hasn't surpassed the post-2008 yet, though. And it's... This is... 
Like what this is suggesting though, that you're not seeing the levels keeping up with the costs because the Shanghai prices are unprecedented is shipping costs a lot more, not just that it costs a lot more than it used to be, but that cost is probably constraining the actual growth of maritime traffic period, which in our frictionless supply chain containerized neoliberal ship order (laughs) is great when all your factories are scattered all over the world. And yeah, we have not hit those amazing peaks from like 2008. Jesus. Jump all the way out and yeah, that's we're still nowhere near there, but it's not looking good. Like all like the big assumption with all of this crap is that, you know, trade flows are frictionless, is that, you know, there will always be capacity at a reasonable price. And but not so much that like, you know, the market crashes. Like everything will be sustained, there will be frictionless flows. Your container, when you put it on the boat, will more likely than not reach its destination and be unloaded in a timely manner, allowing you to complete the next step of supply chain provision. And what we're seeing is that is not the case. Like, it's getting a lot harder to move goods around properly. Yeah. It's just, yeah, shit's crumbling. Mm -hmm. And this is our material collapse thesis in motion, folks. Yeah. This is why this bounce we're seeing, which, by the way, there was a bounce after the 1929 stock market crash, too, that lasted for, you know, a couple quarters before the wheels really fell off the bus and the U.S. hit 25% of real unemployment. Oh, yeah. Like... This is a lot of this, like, you know, oh, everything's going to be fine soon. This is, no, this is the calm before the storm. Things haven't totally fallen apart because, well, people don't want it to fall apart. And that's the only reason. And you can't sustain an economy on a wish that things never get worse. Sooner or later, material conditions are going to bite you in the ass. I guess that brings us to our last word, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And it's a great one. <sighs> Yeah, I guess the short version is, look out, we're seeing the cracks in the walls. We're seeing shit crumbling in this last burst of energy. I mean, this is kind of repeating what we said before, but on previous episodes, but it is what is. Yeah. 
pressure is being placed on a system that can no longer sustain it. And it's like, the fact that things have fallen apart right this second doesn't mean that it it's not coming. It's just... Rome was not burned in a day. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, this is... Hmm? And there's people with deeply vested interests in keeping it the way it is. Yeah. Uh, you remember that um, that I want to say it was like an index fund that was like, oh, you you guys are like double counting your chickens. <laughs> You're betting on oh, yeah. like yeah, it's like you know, you're relying on the Fed to like sub uh, to like not just substitute but augment, um, you know, real economic activity, and that's not really the case here. Um, like sooner or later, they're gonna turn it off, or they're just gonna run out of ammo. And when that happens. Well, he uh, he figured, oh, there's going to be a correction. It'll even be quite a bit nasty, but you know, everything will everything will come back. And that's like, let's face it, you tell investors that when you're trying to get them to stay on your fund, maybe switch to a lower risk investment strategy, but ultimately. Stay with us, please. We we understand the economy. Investors don't. We have a thesis that will get you through this. And I think this is going to sweep away a lot of that. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It's, like, he's not wrong. Like, the fundamental assumption so far has been that, like, you know, the Fed will continue floating the stock market and such indefinitely. And that basically all of this, all of these relief measures that are keeping the economy going are enough to sustain everything, are enough to sustain growth. And it's like, people, like, you know, actual people, not like, you know, the weird pod people in in Wall Street, like, we're some, uh, somehow gonna have to, like, come up with the cash to, like, float the system in our two quarters. And I'm gonna tell you right now, that doesn't exist. The Fed's already said it doesn't exist. Yeah. Like, other people, we do not have the money to float this fucking economy. Like, all of these stimulus measures are keeping this going, yes, but we can't replace this financialized spending of yours. We don't have the economic capacity. I mean, you won't fucking pay us. Where the fuck do you think this capacity is going to come from? Do you think money is just magic that like grows on trees or something? It, it is like, for them, <laughs> in yeah. fairness. 
It has been so far <laughs> in the entire experience of neoliberalism. Like, it definitely is for the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, those supports that are keeping us at play in the economy, they're about to rip those out. Like, how we talked earlier, like, not 30 minutes ago, about how Montana wants to, like, completely destroy their um, unemployment benefit system so that, you know, the filthy poors will return to work. And... Oh my god, that is so suicidal. But John Ford doesn't care. And And yeah, so (laughs) keep talking to your friends and family. Keep organizing in your communities, because people in power really could give two shits about you and actually seem to be drifting in the direction of we need to make the poor suffer. Yeah. Like, this is... This is your fault for buying avocado toast and one Starbucks latte two years ago. This is this is your fault for not having money when we need you to have money. We're not paying you anymore. There will be no more stimulus checks. There will be no more unemployment benefits. There will be no more moratoriums. You get nothing. And you're going to like it. And so, <laughs> you gotta resist. You gotta connect with your neighbors, your family, your friends. Like, oh my god, do not, do not assume the government will help you. I mean, if the past year hasn't disabused you of that notion, please, please, just... If we're going to make a better world, it's going to be up to us. Only we can save ourselves. <laughs> like, that's... Just like always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... So, yeah. Yeah. I th- think that about covers it this week. Mm-hmm. So, this has been Chop Shop Economics. We read the shit. Reading this shit. We read the shits that you don't. <laughs> oh my god. Um, good luck out there, everyone. Uh, bye.